Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And on today's episode, I have a fellow Canadian on the show. I'm actually from Vancouver, BC, Canada. And our guest today, Gene, is actually over there in the East Coast in the Toronto area. And I'm going to be interviewing Gene about his family travels to Europe and beyond, about his business, and much more. Uh, so, Gene, uh, you know, great to have you on the show. If you want to quickly share a little bit more about yourself. Great. Well, thank you. Uh, it's an honor to be on your show, Ricky. Uh, can you hear me okay? Perfect. Okay, good. I'll keep going. So yeah, my name is Gene, Gene Villeneuve. Like you said, I'm also a fellow Canadian. Uh, three years, I've lived in Paris, France. Uh, and actually, it's the second time I lived in Paris, France uh, as part of my international career. Uh, this time, I was there with kids. Uh, I'm in the high-tech field. I sell enterprise software. I work for one of the largest uh, uh, software and computer companies in, uh, on the planet, uh, IBM. And they're a phenomenal organization to work with. Uh, they're great at helping individuals like myself who have a passion for technology and for travel to live around the world with their families. So uh, I've been with IBM now for over 10 years. Uh, and just recently came back to Canada with uh, IBM. I'm actually not in Toronto. I'm actually in Ottawa. <laughs> so, and uh, just a quick uh, summary of my family. I'm married and uh, have two daughters that are 10 and 6. Awesome. Uh, you know, I uh, love connecting with fellow Canadians, especially fellow Canadian dads. And even better, not just Canadian dads, but Canadian dads with a passion for travel and family. So um, I want to hear more about your travel. So you were actually based in Paris, uh, as you mentioned, in Paris, France. Tell us about uh, some of the travels you guys got to do as a family uh, in terms of Europe and beyond. Yeah, so uh, as a family, one of the things that we got to do as a result of living in France. Uh, well, first of all, my job was a European job, so I had to travel all throughout Europe for my work. But we took advantage of being in France and using the French vacation schedules. I don't know, like in Canada, um, you basically, as a student, you have Christmas off and March break. The days, the school days are longer. But every six weeks, the kids get two weeks off. So it creates this enormous stress on the family. Vacations are we going to take or what are we going to do with our kids every, every six weeks for two weeks? Um, but I didn't have that much vacation, so I couldn't. But it meant my wife ended up doing a lot of things with the girls. That, uh, that. Um, but one of the things that we thought was really important is uh, because our kids are Canadian, we wanted to make sure they were still having the opportunity for skiing. Uh, so being based in Paris, we took the kids up to ski in the Alps a few times, and that was phenomenal. Uh, watching our young daughter, who was uh, four and five at the time, learn how to ski, her daughter get her three stars through the uh, French uh, down. She was very proud of that. We were able to go up to some places. Actually, my wife did a lot of research, and we found uh, Twice, actually. Actually, no, we did three times. 
because we also went in the summer because we just loved so much the the Alps, and our daughters also really really enjoyed um, or really enjoy horseback riding. And in the winter, the horseback riding facilities in the uh, in the Alps where we were was closed, so we went back in the summers to give the girls the uh, opportunity to go horseback riding. That's just one example of the places we took them. Uh, my wife has extended family in the Netherlands, so we went there as well a few times. Uh, we went to London with them. Uh, we've gone to Barcelona with them. We also took them to the south of France and lived in uh, Provence for a month with them. Uh, and we also most recently went to the Dolomites uh, for another ski vacation. So those are just some examples of uh, how we took the family and took advantage of being in France to uh, travel a little bit across Europe. Sounds amazing. Yeah, definitely some great uh, family memories and experiences uh, you guys formed together. I'm curious to know about life in France. I mean, obviously, uh, you, you mentioned you're from the Ottawa area in uh, Canada, and you're living in France, which is at least uh, there's the French connection there. But tell us about um, some of the major cultural differences and the struggles, uh, because typically you hear the good stuff on social media. Tell us about some of the difficulties and challenges of living as expats, as expatriates in Paris. Um, well, yes, an excellent uh, question. I mean, a whole bunch of things that we could go through. So the first one is, um, well, one of the decisions my wife and I made uh, as we moved to Europe was that my wife would be a stay-at-home stay mom, and she'd take care of everything on the on the home front, which made my professional career just excellent in terms of the ability to focus on my job, focus on the travel. Um, but one of the things uh, I noticed in France versus being in Canada is that the work hours are very different and the work style is very different. Um, days would start at nine. I'd leave the house at eight and then my days would start at nine, but I wouldn't be able to leave the office until about 7.30 or eight o'clock at night and then get back you know, between eight and nine. So I didn't get to see my kids a lot during the week other than to tuck them in at night and you know, spend a few minutes with them before they're, they're off to sleep. Um, so that took a lot of adjusting. If I wasn't traveling, I was working long hours. Or if I was at home, not going to the office, I was also working equally long hours and then on calls till eight, nine, sometimes you know, on calls after 10 o'clock at night. Uh, so I think that took a lot of getting used to as a family. Uh, the nature of my business being the fact that I was in sales, but a lot of the worldwide support was in North America. I had to do calls very late at night, but also the culture uh, is different in the sense that people work later. Like Spanish people work till very late and have dinner at 10 at night. The French people work late and have dinner at eight. But if you're in any of the Nordic countries, um, they're more like Canadians in the sense that they go home at five o'clock and then have their dinner and then they work again after the kids are off to bed for another few hours. And you know the UK is like that as well. So I had to kind of build a schedule around managing these different cultures because I manage a sales team. But I think that was one of the biggest things as a family uh, we had to get used to. And then my wife had to create a whole sort of support network around the fact that you know during the week, Monday to Friday, I wasn't really there. Um, even though I was sleeping there every night, you know, and I had a few nights where I was able to get home early. Um, then, you know, earlier than eight or nine, sometimes I get, get in by seven, we at least have dinner together. Uh, but she found that a real challenge. Uh, it meant that the day-to-day -day activities of getting the kids to school, picking them up after school, uh, taking care of all of their logistics with respect to going to uh, extracurricular activities, all that fell into her shoulders. And uh, 
So, so that was a lot of stress for her. But at the same time, I mean, she really enjoyed it because she made uh, some really, really good friends uh, in Paris. And uh, actually, it was quite hard for, for her and for everybody then coming back to Canada in July when we did come back uh, because we were leaving behind a, a really solid network that we had built over the last three years. So that was one of the biggest sort of cultural differences uh, just in terms of the work lifestyle and hours. There are a couple of others, others I could go through. I just thought I'd pause there to see if you have any comments or... Yeah, no, I'm, I'm curious to know about um, the narrative from the perspective of your kids, because uh, it's one thing for us adults to move overseas and we can adjust. Uh, tell us about how uh, your kids faced it. How did they like France? How did they like, uh, you know, leaving their friends? Uh, how did they not like leaving their friends in Canada to move to for France? Tell us a little bit about their, uh, you know, formative years and their identity formation over there in France for three years and beyond. Yeah, well, I'll start with my older daughter. So my older daughter... Uh, but, you know, more of a French-Canadian, and they went to French-Canadian school in Canada before going over there. Uh, but one of the biggest shocks is that uh, in France, cursive writing is still taught, whereas in Canada, cursive writing is not taught in schools anymore, at least not until maybe grades three or four, whereas in France, they start very early with cursive writing. That was one of the big shocks when my, when my daughter first arrived. And the second big shock for her was just different uses of words that she just didn't understand the use of the word. She spoke French, but in the context of when the teacher was using it, she just didn't get it. It just didn't make sense to her. So, you know, one of the teachers at one point said to her, have you never gone to school before? Because she didn't know cursive. So she spent, and my daughter was just like completely demoralized by that comment, right? And the teachers in France tend to be a little bit more severe and more strict with their use of uh, words and how they uh, coach and guide, you know, students. So that was tough for her. Um, and then that's kind of just on the school side, but she was able to catch up pretty quickly. Uh, but on the social side, you know, when she first moved there, uh, you know, she had three or four close friends in Canada that she really missed, but we made sure to keep in touch with them through FaceTime or Skype or through some sort of other, uh, you know, modern technology. And that helped a lot. Um, but, you know, the first three or four weeks of school, she would come home crying at least every second day just because she found it really hard to make friends and because the types of games they played in during recess, she didn't understand the games, she didn't know the games, and she had to learn these new games, which were not the same games that are played uh, in, in North America during recess. So she had a hard time sort of accommodating uh, to that. But after a month, she was you know, speaking like a French girl, writing cursive, understanding the language, and she was getting herself engaged um, with friends. So on the flip side, coming back, um, she now has three or four really close friends in Paris that she's on the phone with every, trying to stay in touch with them. And we're going to go back again in March of next year to visit some of her friends. So is the older daughter. Um, the younger daughter, um, she, she's just a very, I mean, as you know, when you have kids, you know, every kid has a different personality and character. And my younger daughter's got a radically different character than my, than my uh, older daughter. And uh, she's, you know, she, she took a longer time for the French to stick 
and uh, or to hold. I mean, she understood French and she spoke French before going, and her comprehension was excellent. But she just kind of refused to speak it until about, you know, maybe six to twelve months after being there. She's the kind of person that, you know, if she can't do it at a hundred percent right. She just refuses to do it. So she'd rather kind of be 100% sure of herself before speaking. So it took a lot of coaching and mentoring and, you know, encouraging her to be comfortable making mistakes. But then after about a year of being in Paris, when she could speak French and be comfortable with it, her character started coming out. And, uh, you know, she likes saying bonjour or hello to anybody on the street. And it's not something that the French people are used to. Like you say bonjour as you go into a store or in a restaurant. But if you're just walking down the street, this little tiny, cute four-year-old or five-year-old girl saying bonjour, hello to everybody, and then asking them all these questions, you know, is kind of off-putting. But also at the same time, because she's just so cute and this has this bubbly energy, you just see so many people start kind of lighting up and, you know, being, uh, uh, you know, smiling because of you know, her character and her charm. So it was really interesting to see that character and her charm kind of come out. Um, and then it also kind of on the flip side, coming back to Canada, uh, it's, we can't seem to go anywhere with her without her making friends. And she's like, she's uh, six now and she's, she just makes friends everywhere. Like, you know, with adults, with older people, uh, with, you know, with, uh, you're walking through a grocery store. And she starts talking to somebody about the groceries that they're buying. She's just like this incredible extrovert. Um, so for her to see her first get comfortable with the language, and then to see her kind of character and personality develop. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think for her, she doesn't really know schooling in Canada. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes for her when she starts school. She's going into grade two now. She's done JK, SK, grade one in France. And now she'll be going to uh, grade two. So I'll have to be, in, it'll be interesting to see how she responds to, to being uh, in Canada. And when you describe your daughter, it's so similar to my own daughter, Rianne. Uh, she's actually five in uh, a few months now. And at five, she's actually like a super extroverted, super sociable person. And she, she doesn't even know Spanish. We're actually here in Medellin, Colombia. She doesn't know my Spanish, but she'll randomly talk to people on the subways, on the streets, in the shops. And and uh, people absolutely love her. They just think she's so cute because uh, we're in a Spanish country now and uh, she's speaking cute little English and people absolutely gravitate to her. So I definitely think kids are a great um, bridge builder uh, between travelers and locals. So uh, it's, uh, it's obviously great as a dad to have kids uh, uh, to, to be able to connect with locals, which is ultimately one of the main purposes of why we travel, to connect with the local people and the local culture, the food, etc. So, Gene, Absolutely. I'm curious to know about your reintegration. Uh, so now you're back in Canada. Tell us a little bit about uh, that, because obviously, if you've lived overseas for an extended period, sometimes you actually don't like your home country because of uh, everyone's similar to what they were before you left. Uh, but tell us about the reintegration process uh, uh, and tell us about how you've adjusted to life in our home and native land of Canada. Yeah, it's a great, uh, great. Uh, observation yeah when you're coming back the, the funny thing is that um, like I, I actually hadn't set foot in Canada for three years uh, but my wife did come back at one point with our kids in late uh, 2015 I think it was um, but uh, you know one of the things coming back we realized right away how strong our community of family and friends are here in Canada um, and that was just like even though we made friends and had good strong 
I think we built a good community in Paris. Um, I think right away we realized how much we missed the embrace of our family, our cousins, our uncles, our aunts, our um, you know our, our friends that we've known for a really long time, and it just felt it felt like we were fitting right back into a glove um, in in many respects. But then in other respects, you know, it also feels like a lot of things have changed in uh, Ottawa. I mean, the city itself is uh, there's massive, massive change in the city with respect to investment architecture, new buildings, new condos going up everywhere. Um, so that was a, you know, it's a, it's a sort of big change for us. Um, but I mean, to be honest with you, you know, we've done this move kind of twice now because we were in Paris for three, you know, four years in the early 2000s. Then we came back again uh, in, two, well, in 2006, and we came back in 2014. Um, or sorry, so we left in 2014 and came back this year in 2017. Um, but like just I was reflecting kind of this morning coming into the office, just thinking I, we, we don't yet have our place, like our, we won't get our official house until the end of August. So we're kind of living with uh, my father-in-law right now. And logistically, we're kind of in limbo and it creates all sorts of complexities. Like yesterday, we lost my daughter's um, uh, health card and I spent an hour looking for it. I finally found it. So you just feel a little bit discombobulated. So we're, we're kind of looking forward to getting into our own place with our own furniture and our own kind of house and not living out of somebody else's house again. So my recommendation is if you're moving back, try to you know, move directly back into your final house and not kind of, I think we've been, I think we've over the last month, we've been in four different places. So we're really looking forward to getting into our final spot uh, in, in three weeks, uh, which will make a huge difference for everybody. So I don't know if that answers your question, but um, you know, I could probably go into more details at some other point, but that's uh, just yeah, on a no high level. Mm, curious to know about the vision forward. Uh, so now you're based in Canada. You mentioned you'll be going to France in March. Uh, tell us about the vision forward in terms of the next few months, years, and beyond for your family, your life, and your business. That's a great question. So if you look at my career over the last 10 years, we've been around you know, building the, the family and building on first the family not based on my career so that's going to be the big sort of vision so how do i you know do i change jobs do i change my career outlook do i you know trying to find a job where i'm traveling less and i'm able to be there for the kids in the morning and evening or uh, throughout the week as opposed to being gone throughout the week so that's the biggest decision uh, difference that we're looking at now that we're back in canada so i think I think that's I think that's the thing that probably surfaces as the most important decision. And I think uh, once we're back in our house uh, that we get from our tenants at the end of August, we'll feel uh, more grounded and you know trying to get the kids back into uh, their their extracurricular activities like dancing and gymnastics and skiing and swimming and skating and try to integrate back into the community again. 
Sounds good, Gina. So to end off here, you actually do have a website uh, where you've been documenting your family travels, your business, your coaching, etc. Uh, so tell us about the site and how can people connect with you uh, to get more info and to reach out to you. Great. So yeah, uh, my website is businesshealthresults.com altogether. And the reason why I called it Business Health Results is that for, from my perspective, uh, I, I love business. I love being focused on uh, you know, uh, athletes, uh, be, uh, being an athlete, on good nutrition, and on results. But not results like you know, results in a year, but the everyday results of you know, just you know, eating a good diet, you know, working out every day, spending time with family, you know, making friends, having good meals, and just like the joy you get out of you know, having a good lifestyle where you're focused on yourself your family your friends so I try to document some of that and some of my passions around coaching around mentoring experiences around vacation around nutrition uh, on that website and then from that website you could follow me on Twitter you could follow me on Instagram me on LinkedIn well, thanks again for your time. It was definitely uh, very interesting and inspiring to hear about your family's uh, adventures in Europe and uh, being an expat uh, in France. So uh, once again, I'll have those links below. So uh, if you're interested in uh, Gene's story, if you're maybe heading over to France yourself, if you think you're becoming an expat, if you want some tips and advice on business, health, and family, uh, definitely reach out to Gene. I'll have those uh, links right below on YouTube and also on iTunes. Uh, so thanks, uh, Gene, for your time today, and we'll catch up with you soon. Thank you very much, Ricky. Take care. Okay. Well. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you not only how to make money while traveling the world, but how to live an expat as well. Uh, thanks, Eugene, and thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch up with you soon in the next episode. Happy travels, everyone.